0: Bible, turn with me to Acts chapter 17. Acts chapter 17 is where we're going to be uh, this morning. Uh, this uh, Sunday, this weekend, is what we like to call in the uh, ministry world a, a standalone sermon. Uh, interestingly enough, we are starting a new series next week on the book of Acts. Uh, we'll be walking through Acts over six weeks, walking through really um, uh, who we are as a church. We're going to be walking through different um, uh, statements of who we are as a church. And and so you make sure to join us for that. We'll begin in Acts chapter 2 next week. But, uh, but the Lord led me to Acts chapter 17. This weekend, uh, the theme uh, for the weekend was upended, you know, uh, um, upside down, right, getting flipped. Um, over. And as I was man, seeking the Lord on on what to preach on, he led me to this passage. Uh, and we'll see here in a second uh, about a uh, group of people, man, that loved Jesus enough that they were uh convicted or accused of man uh, living uh and turning the world upside down in their general uh, area uh, and so man I, I'm super excited I'll go ahead and tell you right now man I may be a little extra fired up today man because this is one of my favorite passages I'll let you know right now but it's all right man we'll uh we'll get through it in the Lord amen and so uh, Acts chapter 17 if you're there let me know that you're there by saying there uh we see here uh the ministry of Paul and Silas as you know Paul uh was a dude that persecuted Christians man he he uh, uh was one that was anti man Christ. Uh, and uh, he met Jesus on a road, uh, and uh, his life was forever changed. Acts chapter nine speaks to that and uh from that time on, man, he went from being a persecutor of the movement to a proponent for it where he was going around sharing the gospel, man loving on people well, and uh, man, he went through a ton of junk the The same people man that uh, loved him, that considered him family, turned their backs and wanted to kill him uh, and we see him man, in his ministry all throughout. Uh, this time, which leads up to uh, this ministry that we see him take part of in this town known as Thessalonica. Uh, and so, uh, with that being said, Acts chapter 17, we're going to read verses 1 through 9 together. If you don't have a word, it's all good. The verses will be on the screen, and you can follow along that way. But this is what uh, the word of the Lord uh, says. It says this. Now, when they had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came... Uh, to Thessalonica. Man, that uh, verse there, man, could preach itself. Uh, many theologians, they don't really understand why Paul and Silas didn't stop in those two little towns. They just went through it. Other than, man, it was the Lord's will for them uh, to go that way, man. Uh, that'll preach if you let it. Sometimes we don't understand, man, what God's doing, what he's up to, how he's leading us. But bless God, we just follow him. Uh, his ways aren't our ways, Isaiah 55, 8 and 9 tells us. And so, man, choose to trust in his plan. Hey, even when you can't trace his hand. Trust in this plan. I went ahead and just gave that to you free of charge. Let's keep rolling. Where there was a synagogue for the Jews. And Paul went in, as was his custom, and on three Sabbath days, he reasoned with them from the scriptures, explaining and proving that it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead and save, and saying, And when they could not find them, they dragged Jason and some of the brothers before the city authorities shouting, These men have turned the world upside down, have come here also. And Jason has received them. And they're all acting against the decrees of Caesar, saying that there is another king, Jesus. And the people in the city authorities were disturbed when they heard. These things and when they had taken money as security from Jason and the rest, they let them go and title the sermon this morning. Simply this upside down faith, upside down faith, man, the call of the Christian life in to live uh, what is known as a nominal faith, right? Just, uh, uh, you know, live man to praise and follow Jesus only when things are good or when things feel good or you know, hey, when things are hunky-dory in your life, man, you know, the call of the Christian life is to live, man, what is known as an upside-down faith, and a faith that turns the world upside down, and the call for us, man, is to walk that faith out. call for you students is to walk that faith out, and so why don't we pray together and jump into the world. Lord, Lord God, we love you. We thank you again for who you are, Lord. We pray over these next few moments that you speak to us, Lord. God, as that old hymn goes, Lord, we ask that you have thine own way, Lord. Have your own way in this place, Lord. Move among our midst, Lord. I pray right now, Lord, against the enemy wanting to come to steal, kill, and destroy, Lord. Wanting to rip away what the students have learned and have taken in and have chosen to commit to this weekend, Lord. Pray that you protect all of us, God, as we dive into your word today. God, we will uh, give you the glory for it. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. 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 Christianity is, man, known as an upside-down faith. The faith that is top-sturbed, that's different, that calls for us who follow Christ to be different. Think about it just for a second. The most famous sermon of all time, man, preached by Jesus, man. The the big boss preacher in Matthew chapter 5 through 7, man. Sermon on the Mount. He highlights, man, hey, how this uh, call to live this Christian life is totally different. Look what he said. Man, he said said stuff like this. If you want to be first, hey, you got to be last. That's upside down from the world standard, man. I learned, hey, if you weren't first, you were last. That's how I grew up. But it's totally different. Man, if you want to be first, choose to be last. If you want to be great, be a servant. If you want to be promoted, humble yourself. If you want to be loved, love others first. And when somebody wrongs you, hey, don't take revenge, man. Choose to forgive them. Man, learn to turn the other cheek. Man, he said stuff like love your enemies. Bless those who curse you, man. Do good to those who hate you. Pray for those who use you. Man, this... Upside down way of life, man, is impossible to live. Right. Uh, It's only possible, man, if you know Christ. Christ. And and the reality is, hey, those of us in here who know Jesus, man, hey, this call to live an upside down faith is one man that's got to be real and personal in our life. It's got to be real. Are you known, man, as one, man, who lives, man, a, a, a life so radically different that you're accused, as Paul and Silas are, man, of turning the world upside down? Or are you one, man, that's just known, and, and I fall guilty, I'm preaching myself, one that's just known, man, for keeping up with the status quo? Hey, just simply coasting, Hey, hey, I know I'm going to heaven, Brother Nick, so I ain't even worried about them. Hey, the call for us, man, is to live. An upside down faith. And I believe here, man, that the word gives us three characteristics of what an upside down faith looks like, man, here in Acts chapter 17. And I want to make sure to walk through uh, these fairly quickly, uh, and then we will make sure to go on to uh, uh, the house. But uh, the first characteristic that we see of, man, a, a life, man, that, uh, upside down faith, man, is this characteristic of a continual allegiance to Christ. An upside-down faith consists of, man, one who has continual allegiance to Christ. Look back at the text. Verse 17. Now when they had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica. Man, you've got to understand what just happened right beforehand. Acts chapter 16, man, I mean, one of the best chapters in all the book. A lot took place there. Paul and Silas, man, went to this town shared the gospel with this girl. She got saved. The people in that city were mad because, man, they were using the girl to make a whole bunch of money, you know, selling stuff. So they throw them in jail. It says Paul and Silas are locked up, man, at midnight, and they're singing songs, Brother Ryan, singing praise songs while locked up. And it said literally the jailhouse rocked. The place shook. Doors opened and folks fled the area. True story. It's right there. And then what happens after that, the Philippian jailer who was running the jail there, he gets nervous because he thinks, man, I I don't know if I have a job after this, Brother Tom. He, He gets so unsettled that he wants to kill himself. He wants to commit suicide. And Paul and Silas share the gospel with him. He gets saved. And then his family gets saved. All that took place in Acts chapter 16. And it said, man, in Acts chapter 17, that they continued on to the next time. Think about it for a second. Man, if, Brother Stephen, if anybody had a reason, man, to just say, hey, you know what? Dude, I saw God do a lot of things, man, over there in Philippi, man. Hey, I, hey, let, let me let me just coast, man, the rest of the way. I know good and well, hey, if I just coasted until I died, until the Lord took me home, I know I'm going to have more crowns than so-and-so once I get up to heaven. If anybody had a reason to say that, man, it was Paul. Here, If anybody had a reason to say, you know what, God, hey, listen, you know, I know you saved me, man. I've done all this stuff for you, man. I, I I've gone through too much hardship, man. I think I'm just going to wave the white flag, go ahead and call it, and just simply coast, knowing that I'm going to heaven at the end of the day. If anybody had an excuse to do that, it was Paul and Silas, but but they didn't. Man, they had a continual allegiance to the Lord. Man, they praised Him, and then they persisted on to the next, see, you know, next place that the Lord had them in. Listen, they had a continual allegiance to Christ. What that means for us, hey, students, if you're listening, what that means for you is this. Hey, you continue to live for God, man. Come Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. You don't just live for God this weekend. Adult, let me preach to y'all, too. I don't want to just pick on the kids. That means this. Hey, that you continue to have an allegiance to Christ, not just on Sunday morning for an hour and change, depending on how, you know, depending on if I get fired up or not. Not just... Having a continual allegiance for an hour or so, man, hey, you, you continue to be all in for him Monday through Saturday. You continue to be all in for him. Hey, an upside-down faith consists of, man, uh, folks that have a continual allegiance to him. Following God does not have to be relegated to a Sunday morning experience or a Disciple Now experience. Man, those things are great, but it doesn't have to be relegated to that. Man, following God, man, is hey, every single day, man, one step at a time, walking with Him. Hey, not just waiting for the next big, man, emotional experience. Hey, not just getting tripped up, man, whenever the storms of life come. Hey, not just saying, hey, I quit whenever you pray for something and it doesn't go your way. Man, the call to an upside-down faith is having a continual allegiance to him continue to lead us to him Colossians 2 verses 6 and 7 says it like this therefore as you've received Christ Jesus the Lord so walk in him rooted and built up in him and established in the faith just as you were taught abounding in thanks Amen. man as we've received him the call is to continue on man following him until he calls us home see here's where we get tripped up though and then I'll move on to Next one is where we get tripped up. If you're not careful, you're like me, man. You know, you. Uh, you like to compartmentalize your life, you know, you know, for uh, uh, discipline's sake or for structure's sake, man, you like to compartmentalize your life. And what happens is, man, God ends up getting in that compartmentalization mix. You compartmentalize your relationship with God. Hey, all right. Hey, you know, my relationship with God. All right. It's Sunday morning. This this time to that time. And then, you know, I'll give him a couple of minutes, man. Hey, I, hey, I'll listen to something, man, on the Bible app just so I can post something, man, online. So, man, Pastor Herb knows, man, I'm in the Word, you know. I know I used to do that, to be honest with you. Compartmentalizing your life. And, and, hey, God just becomes a section of it. When, Whenever we came to know him, man, he, he wants to be our whole life. He wants to have our whole life, but he wants to be our whole life. Say, Pastor where do you see that at? I'm glad you asked. If you go to the next chapter in Colossians, man, chapter 3, it talks about that. Colossians 3, verse 1 through 4, it says it this way. If then you have been raised with Christ, those of you who know Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Hallelujah. And then verse 4, it says this. When Christ, who is... A compartment of your life. Nope, doesn't say that. When Christ who is just a little section of your life. Nope, doesn't say that. When Christ who is your life appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Man, Jesus Christ is our life, so we are called to have a continual allegiance to him. So what that means for us is, is, hey, choosing to keep on keeping on in the faith. One step at a time, walking with him, following him. Hey, keep letting your light shine, even though nobody around you, man, is shining theirs. Keep letting your light shine for him. What that means is, hey, keep on having a hunger and thirst for the Lord and his word. Don't wait for a retreat to have that, man. Continue to have it every single day of your life, man. Keep having a hunger for his word. Keep studying, man, to show yourself approved, man, as Book of 1 Timothy says, 2 Timothy says. Keep being all in for him. Man, in every season of life. Man, don't make God a compartment of your life, man. Make him the whole thing. Make him the whole thing. And in doing so, man, we're able to have that continual allegiance to uh, him, man. An upside-down faith consists of a continual allegiance to him. Secondly, an upside-down faith consists of this, a a courageous witness to to the lost. One who has upside-down faith, man, is one who is a bold and courageous witness to the lost. Go back to the text here. it It says this, and Paul went in, once they got to the synagogue, which was his custom, as it says there, Paul went in, and on three Sabbath days, man, three weeks, he reasoned with the Jewish folks that were in there, from the scriptures, explaining and proving that it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead, and saying, this Jesus whom I proclaim to you is the Christ the an upside down faith consists of man us being a courageous witness to uh, the lost man paul he didn't care that he was probably going to face persecution whenever he went in man he was bold enough to step in and continue to share the message of christ he he was bold to continue on the mission he didn't care if nobody else was doing he, oh here it is let me go ahead and just lead it he didn't care if it felt a little uncomfortable bless god man he stepped in man and chose to be a bold and courageous witness to him. And, and if we want to be known as folks that have an upside down faith, listen, we've got to choose to uh, have that same bold witness to those men who are lost. Whenever I think of uh, bold folks, I do think of my youth days. And there were a couple guys who were a couple years older than me, man, that were uh, bold uh, witnesses for the Lord. One of the guys I went to school with, uh, his name was Caleb, man. God got a hold of his heart. He'd been saved. But man, just kind of living for himself. Man, just just kind of coasting by. Didn't do anything bad, but just kind of simply coasted, uh, coasted. And God got a hold of his heart one summer, and his life was forever changed. And you saw it, man. Man, he was that dude that was a bold witness. He played basketball on the basketball team. He was a bold witness for the basketball team, man. And he, he'd be willing to step in and share the gospel. In our school, you got to know, man. Our school man, there in the South Dallas area was was known as the quote one of the quote unquote hood schools. One of the rougher schools in the community, you know. I remember times, man, he'd go and, you know, share it. I'm thinking, man, dude, that dude being real bold, I'd be afraid to talk to that person. First off, you know, he's he's all tatted up. Miss Arlene, 15, 16 years old, man, big and, you know, big and bad. I think he'd be one of those dudes if I didn't say the right thing, you know, like I've said before. he gave me that two-piece with a side of biscuit, if you know what I'm saying. That one-two. You ever heard that? I Seriously. But this dude, man, he, he didn't care, man. Here's the thing. He, hey, he loved the people. that God, man, gave him a compelling love, man, for the people that were there at that school. And, man, there was life change that took place as a result of it. But that would not you know, th- those times, man, where he was bold were, were awesome. But I remember one time where he showed his boldness and, and his him being unashamed of Christ. We were at a church camp, and, um, you know, we were there. It was awesome, awesome time, man. Learned a lot about the Lord. Got to do some cool stuff. But I remember... Uh, you got, you could sign up for different tracks, uh, to take part in during the week. And one of the tracks was, uh, you know, sign language in a, a worship, uh, song. And, you know, back then as a high school kid, you know, high school dude, you know, played sports, man, you know, I mean, I love God, but I wasn't really one of those dudes that was expressive during worship, man. I thought, man, that wasn't, you know, that's not the cool thing, man. Hey, I'm, I'm big and bad, brother Travis, you know. All five foot four, a buck thirty of me, man. I'm big and bad, like I said last week. I'm big and bad. I'm not gonna worship like that. But Caleb, man, he didn't care. He wanted to express his love for uh, the Lord. And so he signed up. He was the only dude up there, man. Man, signing this song, man. And he made a decision, man. He said, listen, I, I, don't, I don't give a rip what people think. I don't give a rip what they say. Listen, hey, I love Jesus and I want them to know it, man. I'm going to lead in this song, man. And I remember that always sticking with me. About one man that was bold and courageous. And listen, in the same way, man, those of us in here who follow Christ, man, we're called to be that as well. Called to be that as well. What does it look like to be a bold and courageous witness for uh, the Lord? It looks like this, first and foremost, man. It looks like this, us choosing to, man, have connections with people, man. Connect with the people. It says that Paul, man, he reasoned with those that were there in the synagogue. Man, he literally meaning this, he uh, had dialogue, had conversation If we want to, man, be a light to the lost, man, we've got to be willing to step in and have a conversation with them. Get in and around those that are lost. Step out of our holy huddles every once in a while, man, and connect with those that may not be in our group necessarily, man. Step out of our bubbles every once in a while, man, those that we know that we work with, go to school with. Go to, go to, you know, that, that are at the store, same stores we shop at. And be willing to have a conversation with them and engage in conversation with them. And even the ones you, that may not be fans of you or you're not fans of. Think about this, man. Paul went from being a celebrated Jewish leader to one that they despised, man. He was on the most wanted list of every synagogue in that general area. Yet, hey, because he loved them enough, man, he was willing to step in and have a conversation with them them engage in conversation with them and the call for us is to do the same thing do we love people enough to connect with them do we love the lost enough to connect with them do we love people enough man to have a dialogue with them about their faith and we've got to choose to connect with the lost here it is hey be careful talking to students and adults alike here hey be careful not to let your pretenses or your prejudices keep you from engaging with those to whom the Lord is calling for you to engage with who don't know the gospel. And be careful not to let those things keep you from engaging with those that don't know the Lord. Man. Don't know the Lord. Let, let me throw this in free of charge and then we'll, we'll move on, I, I promise. Some of you may say, well, Pastor Irv, listen, man, I'm, you know, that's not really my, my personality. You know, I'm more one of those introverted people. You know, I I like kind of, you know, being a wallflower. It's uncomfortable for me. I get it, man. Hey, Lord made you the way that he made you. But can I just keep it a buck with you, a hundred with you? Listen, in Christ, you may be an introvert, but you're a redeemed introvert that has a calling. Man, hey, to step in, man. And the Lord, the great thing about God is, man, he gives us everything we need to be able to be these, these effective, man, witnesses for him. To be able to have the bonus to step in and have a conversation with that lost person we sit next to in class. To have that conversation with that coworker We know that's far from the Lord, man, that needs him. You know, to, to, to have that conversation with that person, man, that we go to the gym with that we see, man. I'm thinking of the people in my life. I had a conversation with somebody yesterday. Guys that I've played ball with, man, that I've seen several on the Montgomery County booking log, man, have gotten into some trouble, man, far away from God, gotten into stuff they didn't need to get into. And I'm thinking, man... I've got to make the most of my time, man. And that starts with us stepping in to have, man, a conversation, a connection with people. What does that look like in your life? Because it's not just myself, not just Pastor Greg, not just the deacons that are called to do that, man. It's all of us. We've got to have a conversation with people. And then it looks like this. Hey, us choosing to communicate the truth. Communicate the truth. Paul talks about that here, man. It said that, uh, said this. He reasoned with them, explaining and proving in verse 3 that it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead. And saying, this Jesus whom I proclaim to you is the Christ. More than just, man, having to get to know you conversation, man, it's actually communicating the gospel. Do you know it? Do you know it? The gospel message, man. All of us, man, fall short of the glory of God. We're broken up. Far from him, man. Sin separates us from God. But the good news is God in his love sent his son Jesus, man, lived the perfect life we couldn't live, died the death we should have died, but didn't stay dead, rose on the third day. And whoever believes in him, man, will have life. Whoever repents of their sin and believes in him will have life. Do you know that gospel? Man, the call for us is to share it, share the fact that Jesus is the only way. It's more than just, hey, being chum-chum buddies. Folks, obviously, that's where it starts. And you cultivate that friendship and relationships, but it's more than that, man. At some point, man, we've got to, hey, step in and share. And the good news is, man, God in his goodness, man, hey, he always seems to open the doors at the right time, brother Demetrius, to share. Some you may think, man, oh, I don't want to try and force anything. Hey, ask the Lord to open the door. I guarantee you he will open the door for you to be able to step in and share. Man, we've got to communicate, man, the truth of the gospel to them. If you're taking notes, 1 Corinthians 15, 3 through 6 speaks to the gospel message, First Corinthians fifteen twelve through fourteen does as well communicate the truth, man. We are called, man. If we want to live a life of upside down faith, man, we've got to be folks that are bold witnesses for Christ. And then thirdly, and lastly, and I'm done, man. It says here in the scripture, and this is my favorite point: an upside down faith, man, consists of an understanding that the movement of God cannot be contained hallelujah hey the hey an upside down faith man understands this reality that the movement of god cannot be stopped if you look at verses five through nine it says this man the jewish people there they got jealous they were ticked off at what was going on oh man this dude paul again man silent oh these guys are stirring up trouble again Hey, so they created their own mob. Think about that. Created an old mob, man, to try and cause a ruckus there in Thessalonica. Tried to find Paul and Silas to pull them out of the house that they were staying in. They weren't there. They pulled Jason and the people that were there with them. And they tried to stir some stuff up, cause some issue, and literally, you know what happened? It says in verses 8 through 9. Literally, the people that were there, man, they took a little security money away from them and then let them go on their way. And if you continue reading after, man, this passage, hey, Paul and Silas, man, and the people of the way kept on ministering. Why? Because the movement can't be contained. Hey, listen, there's people that have been trying to stamp out the movement since it began in the first century. They can't do it. It's so easy, man, to become critical and cynical, man, of the movement of God, right? Uh, to try and uh, alleviate it, right? Try to reason it out, if you will. But you can't. You can't. Because the movement of God cannot be stopped cannot be stopped a characteristic of an upside down faith is acknowledging and understanding that the movement of christ cannot be stopped you know with this revival that's going on right uh, i've seen uh, a a lot of um, mixed responses on social media about it right folks that are you know fired up excited you know and then you got folks that are real critical cynical man you know, those folks, man, that, you know, if they found out they won a million dollars, they'd complain that it wasn't a million and one dollars. Sister Mill. you know, those, those type of people, you know. And just in having conversations with some of my friends that thankfully are fired up about it, you know, we got to thinking, man, I mean, yes, there are excesses, right? I mean, folks aren't perfect. There are perhaps some excesses, you know, they're going on some of those revivals here. But, man, it, it seems like a genuine movement of God because it's continuing to roll, continuing to move. And so what I took away was, man, in regards towards the revival, but also just in regards towards God's movement, period, right, is asking these questions, man, if what if we as a people, instead of choosing to be cynical, right, uh, and critical about what's going on, choose to be folks that rather instead cry out to God for him to move in our life, like that. What if we as God's people, instead of trying to put out the flame, right, with negativity and put out the flame, you know, with Uh, critical remarks, man, chose to fan the flame instead by prayer and encouraging those, man, that are growing in the Lord. What if instead of trying to reason it out, right, or philosophize it out as it's so easy to do, man, know a lot about the word, man, we know a lot about, you know, religious things. It's so easy to philosophize, man, but God isn't in our philosophical box. He's not. What if instead of trying to, you know, philosophize it out, man, choose to be folks, man, man. got in it. Became a part of the work instead. Listen, an upside down faith understands that, man, God is ever working. He is on the move. And our response is to choose to join him in the work. And I'm not talking about emotionalism, if you will, man. I'm talking about, man, hey, this reality that whenever we meet with God, man, our lives are forever changed. And we do get a little emotional at times when that happens. I'm not talking about fantasism. I'm talking about genuine hearts for the Lord, man, being stirred to live for him. And when God shows up, man, that takes place. Life's man. And the upside down faith doesn't live a cynical life thinking that, man, hey, oh, hey, the world's going to hell in a handbasket. No, an upside down faith understands that, hey, even though, man, life's a struggle. Good news is, man, God's movement. It, he's at He's, He is working. And that his movement cannot be stopped. can't be stopped. I'll end with this, and then we'll go on to the house. You'll be able to beat uh, one of those other denominations to the restaurant. Or I know some of you think of that right now. You'll beat them there. But I'll end with this. I had a professor who was actually my pastor as well while I was in New Orleans. Dr. Taylor, um, and he was a man that epitomizes what I'm talking about here, this upside-down faith. He was a guy who grew up rural North Alabama, um, you know, got saved at a young age. God uh, did a work in his life, real sharp guy, and so he pursued law, and law was his uh, career path. Yeah. Worked hard, got his juris doctor, and was an attorney there in uh, that area. Then his early 30s, God got a hold of him, called him to ministry, and so he left that life. Think about it, a lawyer, man, pretty successful one. Think of all the money that he left on the table, man, left all that, man, to move down to New Orleans, Louisiana, to go to seminary there, New Orleans. They got good food, but that's a rough place to live, many people say. Moved there, man, and studied and got his degree, end up Becoming a professor and becoming a pastor there in the Greater Gentilly area, right? Which, if you don't know, that's a, you know, ur- you know, a, a urban context, known as one of the hoods there in New Orleans. And has faithfully served there close to forty years. But here's what's interesting: man, he's a guy that whose life epitomized faithfulness. He served in a context, that, because I, I know, because I was there with him, were the same people, man, that shook his hand on a Sunday morning were some of the same people that were committing crimes, man, the next day. Man, the people that he prayed for and labored over, man, spit in his face by the way that they lived their life. All the stuff that he went through, man, all the struggles that he had. And he continued to be faithful. Why? Because he had an upside-down faith. And to this day, he's still there. Doesn't need to be. He could probably, man, go back to being a lawyer, man, making good money, take care of the family, you know. I don't know if there's much in North Alabama. Maybe get him a farm, raise some cows. I don't know what, what they do up there, but he could have been taken care of it. But, hey, he, he chose to continue to be faithful to his calling, man continue to have a continual allegiance to Christ because of His love for Him. Upside-down faith. Hey, students, man. An upside-down faith consists of choosing to be all in for Jesus on Monday through Saturday. Adults, an upside-down faith consists of you choosing to have an allegiance to Christ in every season of life, man. Consists of, man, being a witness outside these four walls of the church here. Consists of being a people, man, that hunger and thirst for righteousness, as Jesus said. And that aren't swayed by the winds, man, of life and culture that come. But are steadfast and immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. I don't know about you, but for me, man, I want to be known as one who has an upside down faith. My hope and prayer is that we as a people would be known as that. And when we choose to adopt that, listen, man, hey, lives all around us are going to change. Going to grow closer to Jesus. And when we get to glory. Obviously, we'll hear the Lord say, well done, good and faithful servant. But we'll be able to rejoice because we understood that we lived a life well lived. We live the life.